Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Ladies and gentlemen, we made it. We are knocking on the door of the regular season. In fact, right now, today, we are in the midst of a game prep week as the Jets are facing the Carolina Panthers this Sunday at 1 o'clock, just days away. Less than a week until regular season football is played by Zach Wilson, coached by Robert Sala, all the new faces, everything going to come together for the first time in like five days. Extremely exciting. On top of that, this podcast is out of its old off-season shell and back into regular season form as we will be doing podcasts every single Tuesday as the year goes on following each game, breaking down everything, previewing the upcoming week, and we got to start some of that today. We also got to talk final 53-man roster. We got to talk about the practice squad. There's a bunch of news and notes. The Jets made some trades. We got some fun stuff. I mean, a ton to get to, so I'm going to try to fly through it, paint this with a wide brush, and just kind of go over a bunch of stuff. Um, don't want it to drag on too much, but yeah, this is this is as exciting as it gets right now because the Jets are undefeated. Every team in the league is undefeated. There's no reason to think that for your team, things can't break right. If everybody stays healthy and everything comes together the way that we hope and imagine it possibly could in its best case scenario, yeah, the boom scenario for each team basically leads to the playoffs for everybody. It happens every single year. Teams you don't expect to make it have that year. Cinderella teams, why not the Jets? I'm thinking that right now. I think a lot of fans are. I know we've got a pretty pessimistic fan base overall, but still... Seeing Zach Wilson in preseason, seeing this new coach, everything, there's that feeling inside that's just like, what if this could be the start of something really special, and what if it happens a little faster than we think? So, so much excitement, so much enthusiasm from me, from a lot of people. I am looking forward to doing this podcast. Before I begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Now, last week, I actually did a little bit of extra, you know, a little little request for some rates and reviews, and I got a few of them, and I really appreciate those of you who took the time to go out and do that, but it kind of got me thinking, got the ball rolling here, was like, you know what, we're coming up on the regular season, kickoff 2021, this whole new team and everything, it's time to just push the brand of This Is The Jet Life and the Gang Green Nation podcast just one step further. So how do we do it? I have the idea, promote the brand, to give back to the listeners and those who are following me on Twitter and tune into this show to listen to me rant and rave about the New York Jets every single week. I want to do something a little special to kick off the season and boost the brand. So we are doing an Elijah Moore signed mini helmet giveaway that is going on right now for the listeners of This Is The Jet Life and the followers on Twitter of This Is The Jet Life. Basically, entry into this is simple. You go on Twitter, you follow me, you retweet the tweet that says that I'm having this thing. It's pinned on my profile, so you can find it there very easily. And then you go on to Apple Podcasts, you rate it. Five stars would be ideal. You send a review, you do a screenshot, and post that on Twitter. If you follow those three steps, which are outlined in my pinned tweet as well, um, then you are entered for free to win a signed Elijah Moore mini helmet. Super exciting. This mini helmet, I got it right next to me. It is absolutely sweet looking. I kind of wish I could keep it for myself, but the point of this thing is to boost the brand and to give back to the listeners and just get you know a little bit of hype around the Jets before we go into the regular season. So I know some people that listen to this podcast are not on Twitter, so I am making an exception for those fans who tune in and are loyal fans without being on the Twitter half of the uh, of the brand, whatever you want to call it, that I do here. Um, what you can do is you can email me a screenshot of a rating of This is the Jet Life or Gang Green Nation podcast, a rating and a review. Send me a screenshot to my email, which is burnham, 
B-U-R-N-H-A-M, like Burnham, the number is 028 at gmail.com. So Burnham028 at gmail.com. You send it over there, then I will count that as an entry as well, as long as you have a screenshot of the rating and the review. And yeah, it's pretty exciting. I chose Elijah Moore because the sky's the limit for this guy. I think every single Jets fan and people around the NFL that have seen this guy play in training camp and preseason are absolutely hyped on him. And what better time than now before his first regular season game to get in, get excited about something like this. And if he booms, and if this guy ends up being great, this thing is going to be worth so much more than it is right now. So tons of optimism and excitement there. Again, if you follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan, go to my profile, you'll see the pinned tweet that has the instructions on it again. Basically just send me a rating and review screenshot to either that Twitter with a retweet and a follow, or send me an email with a screenshot of the same thing to burnham028 at gmail.com. So I just posted this giveaway over the weekend, but one thing that has come up so far is it takes like three days for Apple Podcasts to actually push through the review that you post, so it can be difficult to take a screenshot. If you're posting, if you're typing it in, and you take a screenshot of that, just click submit after, send me a copy of that, or wait three days. But either way, I'm going to have the final entry deadline for this giveaway promotion. It's going to be the end of the game on Sunday. So basically like 4 p.m. as soon as that final whistle blows against Carolina, that is the deadline to submit. And after that, three, four, five days later, midweek the following week, I will announce the winner and go from there. So very fun to do a giveaway, a little promotion for the for the podcast, a little bit of uh, Jets hype before the season begins, and that's all I got on that. Moving on past that, we've got a lot of news and notes to talk about regarding the New York Jets and everything coming up in this season. So we lost Carl Lawson earlier in the offseason, and he's out for the year. That was a huge blow to this team. We lose our pass rush there. Vinnie Curry was diagnosed like a rare blood disorder that the team doctors found, so he's not going to be playing in this year. We're going to miss him as well, but he was a rotational pass rusher who was going to help bring a little bit of pressure on the edge that's very important in this Jeff Aldrich and Robert Sala defense. So what the Jets did is they went out and they traded for Shaq Lawson. This is a guy that's been in Buffalo and Miami, so we're very familiar with him. He was in Buffalo for four years, Miami for one. We just got him from Houston, who was there in training camp, not doing very well. A lot of people say that he wasn't going to make the team, but to be honest, if you're playing for a Houston Texans team, you're probably playing pretty uninspired, and I don't think it was even the right scheme fit for him. So he's moving on. They just traded a sixth-round pick. It's actually the one that they got from San Francisco for trading them Jordan Willis, who at this point is just another guy, and Jack Lawson does provide a little bit more upside than that. In fact, Jack Lawson has 18 quarterback hits in each of the last two years. 18 in each of the last two years. If you think about that, in comparison, Jordan Jenkins, his career high was 15. He had 12 one other year and then a lot of single-digit seasons in only like five years. Calvin Pace, who was a pass rush specialist for the Jets, his career high was 12 quarterback hits in a season. Shaq Lawson has 18 quarterback hits the last two years, so a little bit of pop there. He also, for the last four years, has gotten four or more sacks every single year. So a lot of output and productivity from him. Not huge numbers. This is not a game-changing guy. He's not a Carl Lawson. He's a Shaq Lawson. But what it does is he provides a little bit of a little bit of fire. I mean, we know. He played for Buffalo and Miami. We've seen him time and time again. We've played, what, like 10 games against this guy so far. And he's not a game wrecker. But what he is is he's an all-around edge rusher who can play well against the run, set an edge, stays on the field, and can get after the quarterback. And the Jets absolutely need that because if we saw anything in this preseason, it's when Carl Lawson went down, the Jets don't really have a pass rush. I mean, you've got Bryce Huff was getting a little bit of pressure, but he was getting bottled up a lot of the time. Quinn Williams is working his way back, so it hasn't all come together yet. But without Carl Lawson, without Vinnie Curry, this was an absolute need. So the Jets get Shaq Lawson. It's a one-year deal, and 
you know, we'll see what can happen. He will provide some positive play for the Jets on the edge. The Jets made another trade as well, trading Chris Herndon and a sixth-round pick to Minnesota for a fourth-round pick. This was a crazy one because, for one, the Jets are not very deep at tight end. They had Tyler Croft, who was up and down in training camp and preseason. He did have a very good preseason game, too, where he scored two touchdowns. But other than that, he was kind of, like, inconsistent, it seemed like. Ryan Griffin's been MIA with some injuries. Daniel Brown is, like, a special teams guy that we know Brant Boyer really likes and likes to have him there for special teams, but doesn't provide a lot on offense. And Trevon Wesco is basically transitioning into a fullback, so your tight end room is already very, very weak to begin with. And Chris Herndon provides probably the most upside of any of those guys. Jets decide to trade him to Minnesota, who had a big need after Irv Smith Jr. was out for the year. So Chris Herndon basically leaves the New York Jets retiring in the doghouse. I mean, he kind of worked his way back at the end of last year, but not really. I mean, he was the doghouse player of the year, meaning he made the most bonehead mistakes and no-shows and bad games over the past year. And when you think about it, this is a guy that it's an interesting one because I hadn't really given up on him yet because of his rookie season. He comes in as a rookie, a fourth-round draft pick, and gets 502 yards and four touchdowns as a rookie, which is the most tight end yardage the Jets have had since 2011 when Dustin Keller led the team with like 817 yards. Jets have not had good tight end play since Dustin Keller. As we know, we had a couple years it was completely absent when it was like Austin Safarian Jenkins. They were getting like, it was like 200 yards out of the entire tight end position for a season. Then Chris Herndon comes in as a rookie, a fourth round guy from Miami, puts up 502 yards, four touchdowns, and you're like, okay, finally we got a guy who can go out there and contribute at that position. Then the following year, he gets a DUI, He's suspended for a bunch of games. He comes back. He's injured. He ends up playing like one game, catches the ball, makes a couple drops, and then he's out every other game. Following year, he comes back. Finally, we're ready. He plays in basically every single game last year, but just 287 yards, and you're wondering, is that the Adam Gase effect? Because Adam Gase was just so bad at scheming up against the defense and play calling. None of it really worked right. You don't know how much to put on Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, the players around. But all we know is that Chris Herndon was definitely trending downward, but has potential. So the Vikings decided to take a shot on that. The Jets decided to move on. I think this creates a big need at the position. The only guy that's really got some upside and some youth is Kenny Yeboah. We're going to be relying on Tyler Croft, who gets injured, and Ryan Griffin, who gets injured and is already injured this year. And then maybe bringing in a guy like Kenny Yeboah, who's probably not a polished blocker yet, a Daniel Brown, who's barely hanging on to an NFL career just through special teams play, and Trevon Wesco, who's not really even training in that position at this point. So it's going to be very interesting. I'd like to see them make another move there, perhaps, but it might be too late. And maybe they're just saying, you know what, we've got enough receivers right now. We've got enough running backs. We can make this thing work. Another big move the Jets made was they cut LaShawn Austin. This is after final roster cutdowns and everything. Out of nowhere, LaShawn Austin is just off the team. You just get a notification, like, Jets are releasing him. It's like, what the heck? I'm confident that he was the second-best cornerback on the team playing the outside. I know that there's upside for Pinnock and Eccles. There's some upside for an Isaiah Dunn. But at the end of the day, the only guy who's actually done it and put anything on tape is LaShawn Austin, and he's not been that bad, especially for a sixth-round pick who's making very little money. I'm very surprised that they cut him, and I'm not surprised that he was picked up already. He's on the Seattle Seahawks 53-man roster, and he will be playing for them this season. He'll be in the backfield with Jamal Adams, who he's played with before. And, I mean, good for him getting picked up. But this is not a practice squad player. This is not an out-of-the-NFL player. And considering it's the weakest position on the Jets and something that's going to be a very, very difficult thing to overcome for the entire season, I find it a little bit shocking that we got rid of him. Now, he's not the best tackler in the world, not the best cover guy. He does get some penalties. 
He was banged up early on in his career. But when it comes down to it, he's better than a Lamar Jackson. He's better than, you know, a Corey Ballantyne or the other back-end guys that we've had. And there are years where we'd be lucky to have a Blashawn Austin on the field. And this might be one of them. So I'm really hoping the young guys pan out. But uh, LaShawn Austin, after 16 games and two years starting, the guy had no interceptions, but he was a good sixth-round pick, and I'm sad to see him go. I hope that we can overcome the loss of him. I know other people aren't as upset as me. It's not a game-breaker. It isn't, because he's not that good. But he was the second-best guy, and we have a ton of unproven people in that whole cornerback room. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Jameson Crowder, currently undergoing COVID protocols. He got COVID, but he's got the vaccine, so I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out. This was like a week or so ago. He should technically be cleared right before the game. We'll have to figure out whether or not he was involved enough in the game plan to actually be on the field and put in some, you know, worthwhile minutes because you got guys like Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, and other receivers that you definitely could be leaning on as well in his absence if it's needed. So we're working through that. Makai Becton, last episode we talked about a concussion that he just suffered. I think he's getting through the protocols. I think the last day was today. He has been practicing, but he actually had to be cleared from protocols. Robert Sala said yesterday that he was expecting it to be today that he'd be cleared, so I think he's going to be fine to play on Sunday. Then we got, like, LaMichael Pirine. He's got a foot injury. The Jets bring up Josh Adams onto the active roster, who was most recently on the practice squad. We'll get to all that stuff in a little bit. But Josh Adams is now on the active roster with the four other running backs, so we've got five there. And I don't know if that's because LaMichael Pirine's injury is somewhat serious and he won't be able to play for a little while, or if they're trying to, uh, you know, defend him from a team like the like the Ravens, who are looking for running backs right now, or the Jaguars, who are looking for running backs right now, try to make sure that a guy like Josh Adams, who is a good, usable player in the NFL, doesn't get scooped up. So those are kind of our injuries. They just made a couple signings as well to some people that were cut from other teams after the whole, you know, 53-man cutdown. They picked up Sheldrick Redwine. Sheldrick Redwine. He's a free safety. He was playing for Cleveland. The guy's played in 27 games in two years. A fourth-round pick from 2019, just 24 years old. Definitely has some upside. And in that safety room, we've got a lot of youth there as well. You know, we've got Marcus May and Lamar- Lamarcus Joyner. But then after that, you've got Sherrod Neesman, Ashton Davis. Now you've got Sheldrick Redwine in there. And a practice squad player like JT Hassel. It's going to be, you know, a little bit of a, a sort of evaluation process at that position as well. It's another defensive backfield position. they got the cornerbacks they're working through. The safety is going to be kind of like that too, and I think some of that has to do with Marcus May and his upcoming contract negotiations as he's playing a one-year deal on the franchise tag right now. They do have to figure out whether or not they have something below in young guys, which would be ideally for a general manager. You can keep younger players, keep the position just as strong, and pay less money. But, of course, if you don't have any talent there and it's hard to find them, you do need to pay somebody eventually or suffer the consequences of having a weak position group. So I think they're going to try to figure out whether these young guys have anything, Ashton Davis being the biggest one. But Sherrod and Eastman has got some NFL experience. Sheldrick Redwine, they do definitely provide a little bit of upside at those positions as well. They also signed defensive end Tim Ward from the Chiefs. This is a guy that was an undrafted free agent in 2019. He was with the Chiefs. Um, He didn't make the team, was on the practice squad last year, and then came back in training camp this year. Didn't make the final 53-man roster and was possibly going to be a practice squad player for the Chiefs, but the Jets scooped him up. And, of course, we know that we need edge help. Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, two guys that are missing right now. We got Shaq Lawson, but to do a little bit more, they went out and they got Tim Ward. I haven't seen him play, right? We didn't see him in preseason, so I don't really know what this guy can offer the team. But if he's got any sort of juice, any little bit of production from that position will be very nice to see. Very, very important. We also signed, this is a funny one, Quincy Williams, who is Quinn and Williams' older brother. 
This is a linebacker that started eight games in Jacksonville as a rookie, 2019, and then didn't start any games in year two. He was actually a third-round pick in 2019, just 20, just 25 years old. And the guy's got some upside as well. Obviously, there's a little bit of a relationship with Quinn and Williams there. This guy's raw. I don't see him touching the field for a little while. We have other linebackers that I trust a little bit more, Blake Cashman being a, a kind of shocking one to hear me say, kind of even as I say it myself. It's like, yeah, Blake Cashman's a guy that I trust more than him, but the guy doesn't have a great track record. He's got a good, obviously, he's a Williams, right? He's in that same family. He's got good body, good football genes, but he does need to be trained a little bit more. I think Robert Sala sees a ball of clay that he thinks he can work with. He's got the relationship with Quinn and Williams. Maybe he got a great glowing endorsement from him, but he did join our team, so we'll see what he can do. And overall, those are the big news and notes of stuff that happened in the past two weeks. I'm going to talk about the actual 53-man roster, some cuts that we made there. There's obviously tons of transactional news that go along with that. Then the practice squad additions that we made there before going into a Carolina preview. But before we do that, I did get a great father time submission from my father. Very analytical, very deep, firing up before the regular season. So I'm going to do that first. So this is this week's father time, written by my dad, David Burnham. The title, Buckle Up. Here we go. The big debut is around the corner, Sunday at 1 p.m. in North Carolina. This is one of the most anticipated Jets seasons in memory, and it's only a few days away. So, here is my look at the three facets of the Jets' 2021 team, special teams, offense, and defense. To start, here's an interesting statistic. About 20% of the plays in an NFL game are special teams plays. The Jets had special team standouts over the years, but I can't remember Terry Bradway, Mike Tannenbaum, John Idzik, or McCagden drafting or signing a player because he excelled in special teams. That brings us back 20 years to 2001. Special teams were piecemealed. Isn't it refreshing to see that J.D. brought in Justin Hardy on a three-year contract to be a special teams ace? Not an afterthought. He was signed on March 16th in the heat of free agency. What about the kicker? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Matt Amendola having a very good year. So far, he's shown good leg and accuracy. And Braden Mann will be an improved punter. Field position starts with special teams, and starting field position is crucial to winning games. On offense, the mantra is, protect Zach at all costs. Well, J.D. did just that. AVT, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder, Mackay Becton, Moses, and so forth. So much draft capital and money was spent on taking the weight off of quarterback position by providing the talent needed for success. The offense is going to be full of motion based off the run. The same formation and motion can be used on 10 or more different plays, pass, run, or gadget. But the key this year's success is still going to be in the shoulders of the offense. Why? Because although the defense is littered with very good players, the recent emphasis on building the offense and protecting and surrounding Wilson with weapons has left the defense with holes. Big ones. Especially on the outside at corner and the Will and Sam linebacker spots. We'll be looking for youth's enthusiasm and coaching to rule the game day. We'll watch and hope. The outside is going to be suspect all season. So bottom line, the Jets will need to be in some big shootouts to win games. Yes, it is on the offense. Take a quick look at the schedule, and you will see games that should be wins, and ones that are winnable, starting with Week 1 and 2. High scores and some fun Sundays. Go Jets. End scene. Well, a deep dive from my dad, David Burnham, on all three facets of the Jets, special teams, offense, and defense. I love it. Start with the special teams. I think he's absolutely right. It's nice to see them investing in a player like Justin Hardy, who is supposed to be a special teams ace. Man Amendola, the jury's still out on him, but Braden Mann will be better, and he was an investment of Joe Douglas in the special teams unit, so that is good to see. They also retained Brant Boyer through the new coaching change, and he was really, really good. 
And it shows that, you know, they still prioritize that. And they're like, listen, we're not trying to bring one of our guys. We're trying to use the best coach we can find. And Brant Boyer was that. When you look at the offense, protect Zach at all costs. And that's done two ways. One, through building the offensive line. Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, Morgan Moses. Lots of additions there. And two, adding skill position playmakers who can help take the heat off of the quarterback, right? Guys that can run with the ball in their hands, guys that can go in motion, guys that can do a lot of different things on offense to help keep you dynamic and pick up extra yardage and get open. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, bringing in Tevin Coleman. A lot of things the Jets did to try to improve the offensive side of the ball. But then he's absolutely right. My dad said we left holes on defense. We sure did. This defense is going to be, it's weird because my entire life of being a Jets fan, we've basically had good defenses, good run defenses, and good rushing attacks. And that's basically it. We've never been a high-scoring team. We've never been a real pass-heavy unit except for, like, one Ryan Fitzpatrick year. It's been grind the ball, ground and pound, and then play stout defense and try to win in some dogfights. But the Jets are kind of taking a new approach here, and they're going a lot more 2021, new era football, which is exciting to see because... You know, I think a lot of us Jets fans have just hoped for that great receiver, that great dominant offense that can go out there and win shootout games, you know, put up 40 points and get you cheering all the time for touchdowns. It's going to come at the cost of the defense, unfortunately. And I think that when you think about that side of it, of like, oh, I don't really, when you start thinking about how this defense is going to get torn apart at times, it's like, man, I'm kind of used to having a pretty good defense in New York and kind of like stings to even think about that. But it is all for the greater good. And if Zach Wilson is good and these pieces that we added in start to gel, and get good together, and improve together, then it is going to be fun, and there will be opportunities moving forward with the draft capital that we have, and with the available money and finances that the Jets have, to bring in some skill on defense as well. So I love this father time of my dad, fired up, and I love, I they snuck in there, said we have some games that we should win, and ones that are winnable starting with week one and two, I saw that sneaking in the Patriots game, he's already saying right now that the Jets can beat that team, and I love it. Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones, bring it on. But first, got to focus on the Carolina Panthers. So thank you, Dad, for this father time. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to hear what you have next week and the rest of the season moving forward every single Tuesday. Very cool. Now, before we move on to the final 53-man roster cutdown, you do have to take a quick commercial break. All righty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. It is time to talk about what the Jets did, the final 53-man roster cutdown from 80 people to 53. I added my original... 53-man roster expectations, and of course, things went differently than I planned. Some people got injured, just made some trades, added some players on the waiver wire, and when it all comes down to it, this is what we have. We're going to start on offense and go through each position. On offense, at quarterback, no surprise here, Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback. He will be. We didn't bring in a real veteran to play behind him, so who won the job between Captain Morgan and Mike White? This was an interesting battle all year. Mike White. Captain Morgan loses a guy that we drafted in the fourth round last year. He loses. He gets cut. He gets picked up by none other than the Carolina Panthers to go back behind Sam Darnold and give him potential intel before week one. But when you hear this one, I think that what stings the most about this, I mean, we were kind of rooting for Captain Morgan because we drafted him last year and we were hoping for a nice backup quarterback so he wouldn't be back in that Luke Falk, Trevor Simeon type of situation. And we were hoping maybe he could be that guy for three, four, five years, whatever, behind Zach Wilson. But when it comes down to it, the reason that it stings so much is because we drafted him in the fourth round, and I don't know really anybody who, when we took him, was excited about the draft pick. We had young quarterback. We knew that this guy was not the future of the team. He looked like a big-time project. And after just a year, the Jets have decided to move on. 
So he didn't. He wasn't able to beat Mike White. He clearly was not ready. I mean, this is not a guy that's very good in Mike White. Like beating him should be somewhat easy. Mike White did not have a great preseason or training camp, but he wins the job because James Morgan was a failure of a draft pick. And I think when you look back at that draft, you know, two years ago, and just seeing who the Jets could have potentially taken in that fourth round, it's just like, ah, man, what a waste of a pick there. And a lot of us saw it, but you know what? JD's allowed to make a couple, couple stabs here, a couple there, just to see if it pans out. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt in drafting so far. So, but this is a slight blemish for him. James Morgan gown. Looking at the running back position, the Jets are going to be going with the expected Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, and LaMichael Pirine. Now, Josh Adams was on the practice squad. He's moved up onto the active roster right now. So we have those five guys that are kind of in the mix. Nothing surprising there. Tevin Coleman right now is slated to be the running back one. I think that makes sense. The most upside is from Ty Johnson and from Michael Carter. And Michael Pirine, he offers probably the best pass catching out of the backfield and probably the best blocking out of the backfield. So everybody's got their roles here. We'll see a lot of Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson early, but mixing around these guys and probably getting everybody involved to some extent each week, going with the hot hand a little bit, game plan. You know how it's going to go. It's the Kyle Shanahan. So what we've seen in San Francisco from Shanahan with Mostert and Jeff Wilson, you know, they have tons of running backs year after year. Everybody gets carries. Everybody Everybody kind of feasts in that offense, too, because they're so run-oriented and they have so many different motions and disguises and stuff that it really works. I think that's what's going to happen to Jets this year. So a good, healthy dose of all four or five of those guys. Fullback is going to be Trevon Wesco. No competition. Hopefully he does well. He probably will be on the field for a little bit more than he was last year at that position because this offense will use the fullback more. Tight end. This is a weak group. This is Tyler Croft is number one. And then you've got Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown. So I think a lot of us are kind of trending down on Ryan Griffin after having that one good year when Chris Herndon was out. Didn't do anything last year. Has been a no-show all of offseason, training camp, and preseason this year. And then Daniel Brown, who's just like, every once in a while he makes a catch, and you forget he's even on the team. Every once in a while he makes a good special teams play. You know, he's in there for blocking and stuff like that too. But not a great group, not a great room there. Looking for some improvements at some point. Kenny Yaboa, we'll talk about him. He's on the practice squad, so he's that one little bit of, you know, glimmer of hope that we have for the group. At wide receiver, there's no surprise to see the Jets go with Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, and Denzel Mims. All five of those guys I thought were shoo-ins. Braxton Berrios, I thought maybe would be in a battle with big play Vincent Smith because big plays, nice special teams play. But overall, they chose Braxton Berrios over Vincent Smith, and they kept Jeff Smith as a seventh receiver as well. So they really liked what they saw to him, a little bit of speed. Maybe they think they can get his ball in the hands behind the line of scrimmage, quick screen plays, bring him in. Uh, he's the guy that was chosen, so an interesting signing there. But Jeff Smith, welcome to the active 53-man roster. We'll see if he can earn that keep or if he gets replaced by a practice squad player as the year goes on. The offensive line is basically as expected. Starters are going to be Mekhi Becton, AVT, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roten, and then the official depth chart of the Jets came out today, and it's very funny the way they put some of these things. They have George Fant and Morgan Moses both listed on the same line as right tackle number one. They didn't put anybody as the backup, so obviously they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to give anything away right now to any teams. Even though this isn't completed, you know, this process of the depth chart on Jets.com is not made by the team. It's made by the PR department and communications department. But still, it's just funny to see that they did that. And like, no, I don't want to put one guy over the other guy. So George Fant, Morgan Moses, we still aren't entirely sure who's going to be starting week one. And your guess is as good as mine. At the end of the day, I think it may be almost a wash in terms of their skill. But Morgan Moses provides a little bit more flexibility in being able to move inside 
if he needed to play a right guard or a left guard because Dan Feeney was very bad as a backup in preseason. And George Fant offers a little bit more in being able to move to the left tackle spot because I think he's a very good swing tackle. So what does that leave as backups? That leaves Chuma Adoga, who's also a swing tackle, but nowhere near as good as George Fant would be at that. Dan Feeney, who had a very, very tough preseason and looks very, very bad. We don't have Alex Lewis anymore, so Dan Feeney is the backup center, left guard, and right guard if Morgan Moses isn't able to play that position. This is a position of need as well, and if we have any injuries on the O-line to a guy like Greg Van Roten, McGovern, or AVT, especially in that internal part, it's going to be uh, potentially very, very tough for the Jets' running attack and Zach Wilson. So health there is absolutely crucial. That is what we've got for our final offensive look. The only surprises here for me, guys that we got rid of that I thought we'd have, James Morgan, Chris Herndon obviously was traded, and Alex Lewis retired because of concussions. And people that I'm surprised are here right now, Mike White, I think Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown kind of surprised me because I thought Chris Herndon would be here, and Jeff Smith. Other than that, business as usual on the offensive side of the ball. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line, Quinnen Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Foley Fadakasi, and rookie Jonathan Marshall made it as interior guys. Nathan Shepard will also be a part of that as well. And then on the outside, you've got John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huff, potentially as starters, with Shaq Lawson and Tim Worth, the two new acquisitions there on the outside as well. That's going to be kind of your pass rush rotation. JFM, Shaq Lawson, Bryce Huff, Tim Ward. We need somebody to pop. I think that John Franklin Myers is a good all-around player. I hope he can transition well to an all-the-time 4-3 defensive end. I think that Bryce Huff definitely has some pass rush ability, but we need to see a little bit of consistency from him so it doesn't get bottled up too, too often. Shaq Lawson, we know he's kind of been an underwhelming guy who always finds productivity. So we're going to want to see that productivity early and often for that to be a success. And then Tim Ward, I don't know. We'll see what we have in Tim Ward or if he gets replaced earlier than later. Moving over to the linebacker position, we've got C.J. Mosley back. He's going to be our starting inside linebacker. Back up to him will be Blake Cashman. The outside linebacker positions, the two rookies, Hamza Nasruddin and Jamie Sherwood, have pole position and are looking like they're going to be the starters. But the backups there are going to be Blake Cashman and Quincy Williams. So Quincy Williams is the new addition, and Blake Cashman, he's the backup to C.J. Mosley in the middle, but he also can play outside a little bit and, uh, you know, a little bit flexible. So it's kind of nice to have Blake Cashman doing that. Again, not a very strong position group. My dad was talking about that. Quincy Williams, we don't know. Blake Cashman, I mean, he's always injured, so we really don't know either. Nasruddin. Rookie, we don't know. Jamie and Sherwood, rookie, we don't know. Will and Sam linebackers in this defense make me a little bit nervous at this point in time, but uh, they can win us over quickly with a couple nice plays against Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. We'll see what happens. We've got youth there looking for somebody to pop. Then that brings you to the cornerback position, and again, waiting for somebody to pop. Starting cornerback Bryce Hall. He is the best cornerback on the team. He's the only person that's really played any significant cornerback ever, now that LaShawn Austin is gone. And when you look at the opposite outside cornerback position, the New York Jets communications team on the depth chart, they write Isaiah Dunn, Brandon Eccles, and Jason Pinnock all on the same line as first-string cornerbacks. Now, Robert Sala says he has an idea of who he's going to be at the outside cornerback position opposite of Bryce Hall, but he hasn't said exactly who it is. He doesn't want to tip off the Carolina Panthers, and maybe he wants to see a little bit more in practice this week just to kind of reinforce what he's thinking in his head. Now, if you're asking me, I think the order of those guys, at least by the end of the year, I think Jason Pinnock is going to be the best outside safety of that group. Then I think Brandon Eccles, then I think Isaiah Dunn probably will struggle. But, of course, all these players are so young and so raw, anything can happen, and they could get twice as good in just two, three weeks. It can happen very, very quickly for these guys. But Jason Pinnock is the guy with a little bit more size that I'm expecting a lot from. A lot of people are high on Eccles right now. 
He had some good plays in preseason. One was an interception that was just thrown to him as a bad ball. Wasn't really in good position. He was just playing a zone and it went right to him. Other than that, he had a couple nice plays, struggled a little bit here and there. Maybe because I've seen less of Pinnock, I'm a little bit higher on him. But I think coming into the season, I thought that he was built a little bit more like an outside cornerback that I wanted to see. Um, so we'll see what happens with those guys. We'll see who gets the start, and we'll see what kind of leash he gets from Coach Sala. Obviously, because you have three guys there that are all unproven and untested, you might not want to wait too long to switch another guy in. You know, you don't want to be losing games. What expense do you want to be playing Brandon Eccles as your starter if he's getting beaten up, beaten up? Eventually move him out. So we'll see how quickly they do that. Nickel cornerback is something I feel a little bit more confident in because Javelin Guidry was here last year and actually played very well. He played comparable to Brian Poole, who was a good nickel cornerback. We didn't bring him back. We kept Javelin Guidry there. And then we draft Michael Carter II to be behind him. And Michael Carter II is another guy who's flashed in preseason and looks like he's one of the better rookies that we have. Unfortunately, that's at a position that we already have filled with Javelin, Javelin Guidry. So a little bit of a bottleneck there. We'll see what Michael Carter has to do to get some playing time on the field or if either one of these guys is capable of playing outside if the other young outside cornerbacks struggle early. But that's a decent position group there, so you feel good about that. Nickel and dime schemes. At safety, your starters are going to be Marcus May and LaMarcus Joyner. Ashton Davis will work his way in eventually. And then your backups are Sheldrick Redwine, who we just added, and Sherrod Neesman. So a pretty interesting defense here. The guys that surprised me, obviously Carl Lawson and Vinnie Curry, you thought would be there, but they're not. Ronald Blair and Jabari Zaniga did not make the final 53-man roster. So I think that's a little bit of a surprise. Both of them end up back in the Jets practice squad. Jared Davis, we thought he was going to be there, but he's injured until week six or so. LaShawn Austin, him not being here is, is a surprise. And the guys that kind of surprised me to be on the roster would just be Isaiah Dunn and Sherrod Neesman. The other people that are there are Tim Ward, Quincy Williams, who we didn't even know were going to be part of the mix until just a couple days ago after waiver claims were placed. So that's what we have with our defense. The last unit that we have to take a look at is the special teams. Braden Mann, he looked good in preseason. He had no competition. It's no surprise to see him be the starting punter. He will be the guy we ride with all year. And hopefully we're not using him too much because we're getting so many touchdowns and first downs. At kicker, just started with Sam Ficken. He got cut. They went to Chris Nagar. He got cut. They picked up Matt Amendola, who's a guy who has not kicked in the NFL yet, just was around for training camps last year, worked out in the offseason, came back this year for the Jets, played in one preseason game, made two nice kicks, and I'm high on him because he had a nice leg, and he showed good accuracy, I guess. I mean, one was close, but he made them all. He made his kicks. But at the end of the day, I would be lying if I said I'm comfortable with Matt Amendola being our kicker. I do get that he's got upside. I understand that we need to invest in these guys and see who can be the young one. People are excited. Oh, young guy coming in here. And if he's good and pans out, then we could have a great kicker for how many years. But at the end of the day, what you're hoping for is that he plays like a veteran kicker. And there are veteran kickers available. I think that the players that were on the scrap heap after cutdowns, a lot of them are more proven. Yes, maybe they're guaranteed 78 to 82% field goal percent accuracy, which is not great. But we would be lucky to have Amendola kicking 82% this year. In my opinion, we'd be better off with a proven average kicker. This guy, Matt Amendola, has not done enough in the NFL to get one preseason game and then make an active roster. And right now we're excited, and he could be great. That's definitely possible, and I will be a huge fan if he is. But if he struggles, and if we lose games because this guy's never kicked on a big stage before, and he's, this moment's too big for him, just like it was for Sam Ficken, just like it was for Kari Vedvik, for Chris Nagar, for Ross Martin, for everybody else we've seen try to come in here and take the job, 
the moment is too big for him, we're right back in that same position again, going through a season, losing games because of a kicker that was unproven. And we look back like, well, yeah, why didn't we take a real kicker? That's just a scenario that I really don't want to see happen. So I'm rooting for this guy because he's our kicker. And I want him to get some confidence, get that leg going early. And then hopefully he's a long-term solution. But I am not completely sold on an unproven kicker again. When you look at the depth chart the team put out, they have the starting kick returner and punt returner being Braxton Berrios and Braxton Berrios, with backups being Keelan Cole at both and then Michael Carter at both. So Braxton Berrios, this is another guy that he's proven that he can be a reliable punt returner. He's also proven that he can't break a 50 or 60-yard punt return. And I'm most important on a punt return is making a fair catch at the right time and catching the ball cleanly, not fumbling it. Those are the most important things, more important than picking up 20 yards or 15 yards, whatever. I'd rather you get five yards every time and catch it cleanly than you can break a big one, but you may also lose a game by dropping a kick. That said, Braxton Berrios doesn't have a ton of juice at that position, and if Keelan Cole is reliable and can catch the ball and do good punt returns there, I think that Braxton should have a short leash if he is the guy that's given the first chance. Keelan Cole has a little bit more speed, maybe can provide more upside, maybe a guy like Michael Carter and Elijah Moore. I think the Jets have some pieces that they could put in there and then put a little bit more spark, and as long as the guy can catch... I don't think that it's that hard to replace Braxton Berrios. But, again, every year a guy has a chance to make himself new, be a better version of himself, and it is possible that Braxton is the best him he's ever been and will surprise us. So looking forward to that. And then long snapper Thomas Hennessy, again, will be in there doing the long snaps, and he's very good. We've had very good long snappers from James Darth to Tanner Perdome to Thomas Hennessy. Very lucky in the Jets world to not have to deal with errors at that position. But that's our special teams unit for Brant Boyer. And that's the final 53-man roster. So there's not a ton of shocks. There's some injuries that we had. I think some of the biggest shocks would be like, you know, the guys that we drafted the previous year, James Morgan, Jabari Zaniga, and then Bless Austin not being here and Chris Herndon not being here. Those are surprises, but everything else, kind of what you'd expect. I do think that uh, I am most worried right now about those two outside linebacker positions and the cornerback position. I worry that this team is not going to be able to tackle or stop anybody. And that's going to be really, really ugly. It could be a sieve on defense. And we knew that the defense was set up to be, you know, weak within the 20s, but then strong in the red zone. So it's kind of a bend-don't-break type of defense with how they're going to play. But if they don't get a pass rush, I don't know if these guys can cover. And I, from preseason, I don't know if they can tackle either. C.J. Mosley can. John Franklin Myers can. You know, Marcus May, not a great tackler. Other than that, you don't really know what you have there. A lot of question marks on defense. But if my dad's right and this is an offensive team, It'd be a lot of fun to watch. There could be some, some shootouts and definitely some winnable games in there. So then just looking at the guys that didn't make the actual 53-man roster but were released and then picked back up, claimed to the practice squad, that would be players like Josh Adams, who has since been moved up to the active roster, defensive lineman Ronald Blair, offensive lineman Grant Hermans, cornerback Lamar Jackson, quarterback Josh Johnson, wide receiver DJ Montgomery, offensive lineman Jimmy Murray, linebacker Delshawn Phillips, Defensive lineman, Ham, defensive lineman Hamilka Rashid. Defensive lineman Tanzel Smart. Wide receiver, big play, Vincent Smith. Offensive lineman Isaiah Williams. Tight end, Kenny Yaboa. And then most recently, safety, Adrian Colbert. And defensive back, Gerard Wilson. I think when you look at this list, a couple of names that stand out. Obviously, Josh Adams is going to be a big one for offense because he is a very good running back when he's put in. DJ Montgomery made the cut, as did big play Vincent Smith and Kenny Yaboa as some playmaker options on the practice squad. There are a few offensive linemen that I think could be important as the year goes on if they can develop. So you've got some offensive linemen developing in Grant Hermans, Jimmy Murray, and Isaiah Williams. Hopefully, hopefully we can get something out of one of those guys. 
Cornerback Lamar Jackson, who does still have some NFL experience in case everybody struggles, he could potentially be put into the game. Defensive lineman that we liked, Hamaka Rashad, who shined a little bit in preseason, as well as Ronald Blair, who's a big Robert Sala guy and could potentially be serviceable later in the season if somebody goes down. Other defensive lineman, Tanzel Smart, who's played pretty well for us. And a linebacker that showed up, Delshawn Phillips, could potentially be a good player for the Jets. So, some names to look at and be excited about there. This is going to be very fluid between the active roster and the practice squad because, one, you get a lot of injuries, but, two, they changed some of the restrictions due to the COVID protocols and everything, and some people maybe ruled out of game day's last minute or this and that because of all the testing that they do, and they want to be able to add people onto the active roster in case those situations happen. So they did lower the restrictions for moving guys onto the practice squad and onto the active roster as the week goes on. It used to be a much bigger ordeal to get a guy switched between the two. Now, a little easier. So those guys are a little bit more valuable and a little bit more used potentially than we're used to. So not a bad practice squad. I actually think when I was looking at this practice squad and they were filming this thing out, I said to myself, like, damn, the Jets are putting together a damn good practice squad. So, you know, I'm not upset with it. It's nice to have Josh Johnson there as well because in reality, if anything happens to Zach Wilson, do you really want to see Mike White struggling in there? To be honest, Josh Johnson looked like the best quarterback that we had as a backup in preseason for the one game that he played. He came out and kind of ran the offense well, granted against backups, granted with backups, but still... He is competent and has played in the league before and may be serviceable in a situation if we get in a pinch better than just relying on Mike White and that's it. So good practice squad overall. Happy with the unit. So we are going to move on and do a quick Carolina Panthers preview as we are coming up on the first game of the regular season. But before we do that, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And today... I regretfully am here to tell you that I am drinking a Modelo. And why am I so down on this Modelo? Well, I wanted a nice summer beer. I was going to my niece's outdoor birthday party over the weekend, and I wanted something like a Corona or a Landshark. Coronas are good, but they're kind of annoying because you have to put a lime in there. Landsharks are good, but I didn't have any at the store. You had to buy like an 18-pack or something. I didn't want that many. So I was like, well, what's the next best thing for something light that I can just drink outside and sweat right out as I'm playing yard games and stuff? Modelo. That looked like a good pick, and they've been advertising it on UFC all the time, and the boy Wax just made a song about it, and all sorts of, you know, you're hearing about it. Trending up Modelo, in my world at least. And then I get this thing, and it's covered in foil. I can't get the foil off of the top. I'm trying to pick it off, and it's coming in these tiny little pieces that are just everywhere now. It's just ridiculous trying to get this thing off. It's like pulling a sticker that won't come off off, and it's just making a mess. So then I started just ripping the tops off through the foil, but then I get a little bit of the foil in my mouth, and that's really annoying. And I was like, is this just a bad batch, or is the foil done improperly? Maybe this is a really old beer, but it says it's good until February 2022. I don't know what's going on with this thing. It tastes okay, but the bottle shape is funny, and the foil is annoying, so I am not super high on the Modelo. I will drink the six that I bought. Well, I've probably got like two left, but I will drink these, and I will move on, and I will come back when I see less foil keeping me from the beer. So that is today's What's on tap? Now, before we go over to a Carolina preview, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. We are probably moving too slowly through this podcast right now. I was trying to do it a little bit quicker. I have my fantasy draft tonight, and, you know, one thing that a lot of people are asking me and wondering are, what Jets are fantasy relevant? Now, this team, this offense, is potentially going to be fun. Are the Jets 
draftable in fantasy football. And I'll be honest with you, just a quick little anecdote here. I am super high on Corey Davis, and I am trying to draft him in all formats. And those of the people in my league that listen to this podcast, this will be out after the draft. So unfortunately, they won't get to use that to their advantage. But I will be all in on Corey Davis because I truly believe this guy is set for like 1,000 yards plus, seven touchdowns plus. He looked great with Zach Wilson in the preseason. He's always been a receiver that I really like, but he's been in that offense. Like, it's been Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill and... You know, no offense to Ryan Tannehill because he did really well, and Corey Davis has definitely been trending up since Arthur Smith was working with him. But, like, they've never really had a quarterback with a great arm, and Corey Davis has always shown a little bit more than I think is given to him. He's one of those guys that, like, I could just see Corey Davis being on a team with Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or someone and just being absolutely dominant. If he was with Tom Brady, he would just be a wrecking ball. And I think that Zach Wilson, if he's what we hope he is, he will be able to get the ball to Corey Davis. So he's the guy that I'm all in on drafting. I also would potentially touch, like, Elijah Moore. I wouldn't touch the tight ends. I wouldn't touch Jamison Crowder, I don't think, because I think he's trending down in this offense. And then the running backs, it's going to be such a timeshare. I'm going in thinking Tevin Coleman is RB1, but not really somebody I'm trusting to play because of the timeshare they're going to be using. If somebody goes down, if, say, Tevin Coleman gets injured and they start giving good good running share to, like, a Michael Carter or Ty Johnson and those guys are popping, or if it seems like the coaching staff is just really leaning towards one guy early on, I would probably pick him up, but not somebody I'm going for early on. But that is what's coming up in this draft tonight. But more important than that is a Carolina Panthers preview, because that's coming up on Sunday, just five days away. The Jets are currently four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half point underdogs against the Panthers in Carolina against Sam Darnold and this Panther team. There are some big storylines in this week one game, and you know the NFL did it on purpose because there's tons to talk about here. But Matt Rule was a coach the Jets were looking at instead of Adam Gase. And then when they brought him in and they said they wanted to hire the coaching staff for him, probably people like Greg Williams, he said no. He wanted to hire his own coaching staff. They said, well, we don't trust you to do that. So we went and go out, get Adam Gase, and basically ruin the entire team and Sam Darnold. Great. That said, we don't know if that means that Matt Rule's a good coach or not. Some people are very, very high on him. I personally do not think Matt Rule's a good coach. I'm glad that he's not with the Jets. I would rather have Robert Sala 10 times out of 10. And I don't think Matt Rule will be lasting long in the NFL. But we'll see what happens. His quarterback is Sam Darnold, somebody we are very used to, somebody I was so high on and would have bet everything would be a great perennial all-star type of player. But unfortunately, the Jets move on. Adam Gase ruined him. We don't get to see what he'll be. And at this point, is he too broken to even recover? We'll find out. Hopefully he doesn't recover too much and beat the Jets on Sunday. But, you know, I do root for him, and I will be watching that team for sure, hoping that Sam Darnold finds a good career in the NFL. He is, let's not act like he's a complete failure and a complete Mark Sanchez or Geno Smith. This guy was brought in to be the starter on a team with basically no backup, basically no competition. It's P.J. Walker, right? So P.J. Walker was good in the XFL, but he's not ready to play in the NFL every single week. Sam Darnold is the starter. He's a starting caliber quarterback. Yes, he may be one of the weaker ones in the league, but still he's not viewed by the NFL as a backup at this point in time. That said, all right, Robbie Anderson, he's on that team as well. I wanted to just to sign Robbie Anderson. I wrote a poem about it. Robbie Anderson was not signed. He signed a deal that I thought was not even all that expensive. The Jets opted not to do it. And since then, Robbie Anderson has been great in Carolina. He just got a contract extension, so good for him. And we face him week one. Hopefully the cornerbacks can keep up because he can go deep and he can catch a deep ball with strong hands very well. We know that. Frankie Lubu's on that team, and he's actually popped. The Carolina team seems to really like him from preseason and training camp. He's popped in in those games and looked pretty good. So he's an edge rusher that we probably at this point in time wish we had because we're so weak there and speed would be nice, but he's with the Panthers. Hopefully he doesn't get to Zach Wilson. 
And then some other guys that you may remember, Justin Burris, cornerback that just drafted years ago, was playing safety there. And Julian Stanford, a linebacker that was with the team like five years ago, he's playing there. Overall, the Panthers are a very, very healthy team, much, much healthier than the Jets. And going in, there are not many guys that have red flags next to their name that are in that starting unit. Maybe some backups, but nothing that's going to change the game, really. We'll see what the uh, injury reports look like coming out of practice this week. But so far, they look healthy. Now, the two sides of this thing are the Jets' offense versus the Carolina defense and the Jets' defense versus the Carolina offense. Starting with the offense against the defense, they have two pass rushers, basically. It's Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. Now, Hassan Reddick always has, like, a big game or two every year. He gets three, four sacks. But he does put up some decent sack numbers otherwise. He kind of can hide at times. You don't see him. But then he definitely can pop. Brian Burns is an up-and-comer pass rusher who will be very good. Hopefully we get Mekhi Becton against Tim all game and can shut him down. I think that in that battle, I would choose Mekhi over Burns. Burns maybe get to him once. That's about it. Derek Brown in the middle, he was a, a high draft pick to play that nose tackle position. He's not been great, or I guess defensive tackle on this team running a 4-3. He's not been great so far, but uh, they're hopeful to get some other pass rushers in there as well. They've got Morgan Fox they picked up, and Yotur Gross Matos, who was a draft pick last year. They hope those guys can come in and help get some quarterback pressure. I don't think that that's too strong of a unit for the Jets to really stop, right? You focus on Brian Burns, you make sure Hassan Reddick doesn't have one of his, like, en fuego games, and from there, you should be overall pretty good. This offensive line, for what we've invested into it, I know the chemistry is not there right now, and we haven't really seen ABT play. There will be some bumps and bruises and some learning curves, of course, but this is not that difficult of a unit to go up against week one. The whole defense overall is not super, super promising, right? They do have Burns, they got a couple other guys, but you look at the cornerbacks, Dante Jackson is a pretty good cornerback who's played some here and there. He's probably like as good as a Bryce Hall or something like that. He's trending up, maybe young, but not amazing. And then they drafted J.C. Horn, who's an absolute rookie, who I was very, very high on. I said he was the best rookie in the draft class at cornerback. But still, rookies play like rookies, and hopefully we can exploit that a little bit. Up the middle, they're pretty weak. Shaq Thompson has been underwhelming for his entire career. Jermaine Carter is an unproven linebacker, and... There's just not a ton going on there, but they do get help in the middle from Jeremy Chin, who is the best player in their defense and an extremely, extremely good safety. He is probably going to be an all-pro, and he is the bright spot of that team. So watch out. He's kind of like that Jamal Adams game record type of guy. He can do all sorts of different things, and Jeremy Chin is the person who has the potential to really wreck the game. So watching out for him, playing the middle as he comes up, going back in coverage. The other guy in coverage, Justin Burris, if he's the other safety, we're not too worried about that. We've seen what he can do. He's bounced around the league. He's probably playing out of position, but maybe didn't work at cornerback, and they think they can transition him here. I think that the defense is definitely, definitely beatable. I think that the offense that the Jets are putting through will be somewhat complicated for that defense to stop. They're going to be a lot of motion. They're going to be doing a lot of not trick plays, but probably runs, lateral plays, uh, outside runs, and they're going to use that offensive line mountainside, crushing Brian Burns and the pass rushers, making sure that they're strengths are used against them as they try to get around the edge makes a big holes you push them wide outside because they're trying to get there to begin with to get pressure on the quarterback and I do think that the Jets are going to be able to get points against the Carolina defense I have the Jets scheduled for 30 points in my prediction here 30 points is it lofty sure but I believe this offense is going to be very very good very very quickly now that brings us to the defensive side of the ball where I am as excited as I am for the offense, I am not excited for the defense. I don't think the defense can cover, and my 
I know that because the cornerbacks are so young and unproven. Like they're going to get beat up. They're going to get picked on here and there. We play a, a sort of defense that relies on getting pressure. And we don't have the pieces to get the pressure consistently. So when we don't, we will get picked apart at times. But I think my biggest worry right now is I'm not sure if this team can tackle. And that's a huge thing. And Jamie and Sherwood and Nasrul Dean, like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And these young people that are going to be coming in, the cornerbacks, you know, Eccles and Pinnox and Isaiah Duns, I want to think, yes, these guys can all tackle very, very well. But I didn't see it in preseason. And if they can't, if they can't cover and they can't tackle, it is going to be very, very difficult to stop any team. And I know it's Sam Darnold. He's definitely beatable. He's probably still broken. You saw him play in preseason a little bit. He still looks like he's processing slower than he normally would have in college. He looks like he's having issues seeing the field and doesn't have the confidence that you thought he'd have in the NFL, probably all still stemming from Adam Gase and his horrible work there. But, you know, you're not nervous about Sam Darnold specifically, but the guys on the offense with the ball in their hands, Christian McCaffrey's arguably the best or second best running back in the league and is very, very good at catching the ball. So you have to make sure you focus on him in the backfield and when he runs out wide. Then you've got super fast Robbie Anderson, super fast DJ Moore. You've got Terrace Marshall, who's an awesome rookie in the middle, who's going to be very, very good as well. You've got a big tight end in Dan Arnold, who's actually a pretty good offensive weapon. And so when you look at it, you're like, okay, they have a ton of weapons. And if Sam Darnold gets comfortable and he gets it to those guys, they are absolute playmakers. They've got the speed. You miss a tackle or two. Boom, 60 yards. Boom, 60 yards. It could be a nightmare. The way that you beat him, the way that you beat Sam Darnold, is just like he was beat with the Jets. You get pressure on him, you make him uncomfortable, you make him make bad decisions. Now, they do not have a good offensive line. They've got one good offensive lineman on the right side and Taylor Moton, but other than that, they've got a very weak O-line. The left side alone is Cam Irving and Pat Elfline. If you tell me you look at Cam Irving and Pat Elfline on the left side and you're not fired up, I mean, put your best pass rushers there, get Quinn and Williams there, get Shaq Lawson there, Bryce Huff, and absolutely dominate those guys because Pat Elfline was not even good enough to be a backup for this team. We got rid of him, and they've taken him to be a starter. I mean, he's not some unproven guy. We've seen him play for the Vikings. We've seen him play for the Jets. We know what he is, and he's no good. So attack, attack, attack. Don't be so aggressive. Don't be so aggressive that they can do screen passes to Christian McCaffrey because that's what they're going to want to do if we do get a lot of pressure is work on those screens. It's going to be on Mosley to probably do like a potentially like a running back shadow. But I do think that if the Jets can get pressure on Sam Darnold, which is possible, they will be able to at least stifle the Carolina offense and Sam Darnold enough to limit them to only, in my prediction, 23 points. That gives the Jets a seven-point win, 30-23. to I'm very optimistic at this point in time. I think that everything we did on the offense was to make it great, and it will be. I think that Sam Darnold and the Panthers are a work in progress over there. And just like we are, I think that we have a better coach than them. I think that our players are going to play harder and play with more inspiration and ferocity because that's what Salah does. He makes you want to run through a wall, and he's going to get to these young players, all these good people we've brought in. And I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be sloppy at times. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that we see, and it's like, oh, my God, this is a mess. But this is all going to be fine-tuned as the year goes on. We figure out right now we probably don't even have – the end-of-year starters who will end up being there in, like, week 16 probably aren't even playing right now. We're probably going to realize, okay, this guy shouldn't have been there. He was in over his head, but, oh, some backup young guys that we have are actually really good. That's going to be happening as the year goes on, so don't be surprised to see some hiccups. But let's win this game 30-23. to I absolutely think it's possible. We look at the rest of the AFC East, important to follow them because at this point in time, everybody's 0-0. Zero zero. We are looking to win the division. Yes, so... 
Pittsburgh at Buffalo on Sunday at 1 p.m. Pittsburgh is a sneaky good team, potentially. And if Najee Harris and some other things work really well for them, they could be much improved and potentially beat Buffalo. That would be a really nice week one game as Buffalo comes in their home stadium feeling high and mighty about last year, thinking about the Super Bowl and how they're going to get there this year. And then Pittsburgh just rains on their parade. I'd love to see it. But the other game, at 425 after the Jets game, we can tune in to see Miami, Tua Bailoa go against New England and Mac Jones. That's a fun division matchup week one because you expect the Bills to be the best team and you don't really know what you're going to get from Miami, New England, or the Jets. You got young quarterbacks across the board. Zach Wilson hasn't played yet. Mac Jones hasn't played yet. And Tua, you know, he struggled last year, but he's been much better this preseason and training camp, and they think that he could definitely take steps in the right direction this year. So when that game goes down, you know, who's got it? Does Bill Belichick still have, you know, a couple tricks up his sleeve to win this? Is Brian Flores, his old defensive coordinator, going to take him down? That's a fun matchup, fun week one game, and, you know, you got to root for Miami because screw the Patriots. That's all there is to it. I mean, I don't love Miami, but definitely, what in the world? My God. You drive a car that sounds like a beehive. I don't know what's so cool about that. But that's a very fun game, Miami versus New England, 425. Definitely one I'll be watching after the Jets. It's really all I have for this podcast. I want to remind everybody that I am doing that Elijah Moore mini helmet giveaway. Signed helmet by Elijah Moore. Very cool, very exciting. The way to get into that, free entry. You just have to either email me a rating and review from the podcast, you know, saying that you like it. Just email me a screenshot to burnham028 at gmail.com. Or alternatively, if you're on Twitter, go to my pinned tweet and you can see the instructions there. But it's basically just follow me, retweet it, and then post a screenshot or DM me a screenshot of a positive rating and review from the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And then that's it. You're entered. The deadline to submit these will be the final whistle of the Jets Carolina Panthers game. After that, we'll wait a few days, let all the uh, reviews settle onto iTunes. It takes like three days to process, and then we will announce a winner. I'll ship it out. Very cool. Maybe we'll do more of these things as the year goes on, depending on how successful this thing is. But uh, yeah, so do that for sure on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Also rate, review, subscribe to the podcast anyway. I mean, you might as well do it for the helmet, but just fun to do. And then moving forward, we're going to be doing podcasts every single week, every Tuesday. So it gives me time. I like to watch the game on Sunday where I enjoy a bunch of alcoholic beverages and get a little fired up and, you know, I don't process everything perfectly. But then I have a chance on Monday to rewatch the games when I'm feeling a little bit more clear and then Tuesdays when I record the podcast. So it gives me time to do everything. I know it's not as quick as I'd like it to be. I think it would be very cool if I was able to do like instant reaction podcasts right after the game is over or something like that, you know, when it's still really fresh and people are looking for that content early. But you really don't want to hear from me on Sunday at 6 p.m. I am like, uh, depending on the game too, not ideal. So we're going to just do it every Tuesday as the season goes on. And if anything changes, I'll keep you guys posted. A lot of those updates will be on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. But that's all I got for this one. We are going up to start the regular season. And by the time I'm here next week, the Jets will already have one win in their pocket, beating the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold in an epic week one game as Zach Wilson shows that he is the future of New York. What could be more exciting? This is the best time of the year. It really is. So enjoy every single minute of it and good luck in your fantasy drafts and getting ready for the season. Hopefully no injuries as this week goes on. Enjoy the game. I'm Dan Burnham and this is the Jet Life. <laughs>